0: Well, this morning we will again be in Revelation chapter 13, so you can go ahead and open up your Bibles there. Revelation chapter 13. Last week we studied up through verse 9, so today we will go ahead and finish out the chapter. But um, let's go back, though, and, and we'll start reading from verse 1. So Revelation 13, verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him power, his throne, and great authority. The dragon gave him his power, I should say, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon, who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. So that's the verses that we studied last week. And again, if interested, you can go back onto our website or on the iTunes and listen to the teachings. But uh, something I didn't touch on last week that I want to express before moving on is just the fact that there at the end of verse 8, Jesus is called the Lamb slain. From the foundation of the world. I think that this is a very powerful title given to Jesus here because it expresses to us the fact that God's plan of the redemption of mankind was already in place before he even created mankind. This is amazing to me. You see, God wasn't taken by surprise when Adam and Eve disobeyed. God is all-knowing. He loved mankind enough to give them a choice, but it didn't surprise God when Adam and Eve fell. And it doesn't surprise God when we stumble and when we fall. And Jesus is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now with that being said, let's move into our verses for today. Verse 10 He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity, and he who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So the tribulation saints remained patient in the faith all the way unto their deaths. Looking back at verse 7 again, we see where it says that, It was granted to him, the beast that is, right? To make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So everyone left on the earth during the great tribulation period, period that did not bow in worship of the Antichrist was led away captive and killed. And the saints were overcome by him but they did indeed remain faithful all the way till the end. They did not love their lives unto the death. They finally came to understand that Jesus is the Christ. They learned their lesson the hard way, though, by having to live through the tribulation. But they fought the fight of faith nonetheless and were martyred for it. Okay. But there is a promise there in verse 10. And it's a promise of retribution. In other words, those that do the killing will get what's coming to them. And I believe that that is what is meant by he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Even in our day and age, there are people today leading people away captive and killing them with a sword. It's still happening today right and this is a sign of things to come for this world we are not yet in the great tribulation but we're beginning to see glimpses of it even like I talked about last week people today fall all over themselves with people who rise to power they idolize political leaders celebrities you know, that make decisions that, and, and they live their lives that are contrary to the word of the Lord. But people lift other people up today. Like I said, political leaders or celebrities, whatever it may be, right? So even in that, we have glimpses of the coming tribulation, don't we? It's not foreign to us to think that people are going to bow down and worship of somebody someday in the future. The beast slash antichrist will be a man, that will be idolized and ultimately worshipped. And then in verse 11 it continues and says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So, what is it that seems to be taking place here? Who is this second beast that comes on the scene at this point in time? He is described as a beast as well, right? Isn't he? The first beast who we've identified as the Antichrist came up out of the sea, it says. And you can take note of that if you look back at verse 1 of chapter 13 here. This beast, however, is described by John as coming up out of the earth. This second beast is subordinate to the first beast because it's his job to cause the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. Okay, so do you see that there in verse 12? This second beast also looks like a lamb. This may describe somebody that's has a peaceful appearance, you know, and they're very popular, you know, he'll, he'll, he will at least initially be well liked. His two horns show that he has some power and authority. Now, he has nowhere near the authority of the first beast, but he does have some power and authority. But, you know, even though he may look good, he still speaks like a dragon says indicating that his message is the same as the first beast so thus far we've seen the dragon we've studied right the dragon which is satan we've seen the first beast, beast which is the antichrist and now we see the second beast but i want to tell you something here right the second beast is the false prophet why do i say that where do i get that information from That the second beast is the false prophet. Well, if you look ahead in your Bible to chapter 16. So turn up to Revelation chapter 16 here. And you look down at verse 13. Revelation 16, 13. And I saw three unclean Spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth, the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So there we see the dragon, the beast and the false prophet. So keep that in mind and let's turn up a few pages to chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Verse 20, then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who works signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. So we're kind of giving away the plot here, but there we see that the beast and the false prophet are captured here. Let's look at one more verse. Turn up to chapter 20. Chapter 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So now we're giving away even more of the end of the story here as we're getting there. But now we see that Satan himself is cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet were already cast. So with all that being said, as we turn again back to chapter 13, this second beast that we see coming onto the scene is also known as the false prophet. This is what some have referred to as the unholy trinity the dragon the dragon attempting to represent god the first beast the antichrist attempting to represent jesus christ and the second beast or the false prophet attempting to represent the holy spirit if you think it through the holy spirit of god today speaks what jesus speaks And leads people to worship the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit does today. And this is what the false prophet will lead people to do regarding the Antichrist, to lead people to worship the Antichrist. That will be his job. So let's read on. What does this false prophet slash second beast do? Verse 13, he performs great signs so that He even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Wow. So this seems pretty impressive, huh? But you see, everything about Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet is all a pack of lies. It's not the signs and wonders that matter. It's the message that matters. Let me show you something here from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Turn to Deuteron- Mark this page and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13. It's the fifth book from the beginning of your Bible. Deuteronomy 13. Again, what I said was, it's not the signs and the wonders that matter. It's the message that matters. And Satan and the Antichrist, the, the false prophet, they're, it's all a pack of lies. And here in Deuteronomy 13 in verse 1, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder. Okay, now pause right there for a moment because I want to point something out to you here. Notice there how it says in verse one, if there arises among you. So this is kind of similar to what we see back in Revelation. Um, The first beast, right, rose out of the sea. The second beast rose out of the earth. But what I want to point out to you here is that when you think of the beast rising out of the sea or the beast rising out of the earth, you don't have to picture that literally. Okay? Here in Deuteronomy, we get a simplistic picture of someone coming into a position of prominence. And it's using the word rises amongst you, right? It doesn't mean that they came out of nowhere or came out of the ground. It simply means that they rose to this position amongst us, right? And here, God speaks of a prophet or a dreamer of dreams that gives you a sign or a wonder. And in verse 2, he says, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass. In other words, it happens, right? Of which He spoke to you saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. So a miracle is performed right before your eyes. And then this person uses this, um, the amazement of this miracle to then try and steer you in a certain direction or to point you in another place. It's popping into my mind right now where the Apostle Paul said in Galatians, if, if we or an angel from heaven come to you and preach to you any other gospel, let him be accursed. So there's all kinds of false doctrines that even go around now and there's signs and wonders that will take place toward the end that the false prophet And the Antichrist and all of them will do. But verse 3 here in Deuteronomy says, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. So the plain and simple message here is don't follow the miracles, the signs and the wonders and the good looking people and all of that kind of stuff that comes along, but rather follow only the commands of the word of God. That's what we are to be followers, followers of. Not political leaders, not celebrities, not all of that kind of stuff, right? We see several instances in the Bible where Satan can use signs and wonders as well. Because there are, spirit, there are supernatural forces of good and there are supernatural forces of evil. And verse 5 here says, But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you, From the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk, so you shall put away the evil from your midst. You see, the children of Israel were brought out of a literal Egypt, a place of bondage and slavery for them, right? And God brought them out as His chosen people. Today, you and me as Gentile followers of Jesus Christ, we have been brought out of the world of sin and bondage. And we have been set free from that by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are no longer to walk in the world's ways. Instead, we are to walk in the ways of the word. We are to put away evil from our midst, as it says there. So keep in mind that we're not to be followers of signs and wonders or of men and women that rise to power and do great things and if we're not careful i believe it's easy to see even in the modern day church where people are drawn to lights smoke music guitars loud music and good shows and all that stuff we get drawn to that kind of stuff but a lot of those churches are an inch deep and a mile wide but the lord wants us to be rooted and grounded in his word you know, and not chase after those kind of things. So it's easy to see, and we'll see as we continue through this study this morning, it's easy to see how these things in Revelation will come to be because we, we get glimpses of it now. You know, And as we flip back to Revelation chapter 13, the false prophet has risen on the scene. And in verse 14 it says, And he deceives those who dwell on the earth, by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So do you see what's happening here? There is something like a a statue, like a graven image that has been made in the image of the Antichrist. And the false prophet causes breath to be inside of this image and causes this graven image to speak. Is this something foreign to us in our day and age? It's not. Do you know that many people actually travel miles and miles to see statues of Mary speak? Okay? So this is not an uncommon thing. I found this letter while I was studying this. It's about a man named Renato Barone. Okay? And it says, How the, aspir- um, the apparitions began. On March 25th, 1985, Ren- Renato Barone had gone to the little church of St. Martin's to perform some task. He then paused to pray, kneeling in a pew in front of the statue of Our Lady of the Rosary. Suddenly, he recalls, I felt as if my body was dying and my soul was fainting. I could no longer see or hear anything around me. The statue of Our Lady began to speak and move. It came alive from me. Her clothing seemed to move move with her, and she was smiling. Her eyes were the most beautiful. And she said, I expected you to come yesterday. From now on, you will always come here because I have to speak to you about so many things. Afterwards, you will write these things down, but for the moment, you must wait. Come back tomorrow and you will hear more. When the apparition was over, Renato was so bewildered that he ran away, even forgetting to lock the church. The next day, he returned to the church in order to close the door. But first, he felt impelled to pray a little. And this is what Renato relates... I knelt in front of the statue and began to pray. I read from the scriptures and prolonged my prayer so as to continue my dialogue with God, hoping that there would not be a repeat of what had happened to me the day before so that I would not see the same things. Quite frankly, I was afraid. However, Mary did return once again. I felt as if I was dying, as if my spirit was leaving the body. All the time, the voice was repeating, it is I, Mary, the Madonna, really speaking to you. Okay? I'm going to stop that letter there, but you see, it's not too hard to think that in the future, people are going to be deceived by a statue speaking to them. Because today, people are deceived by statues speaking to them. again. There are supernatural forces of good. And there are supernatural forces of evil that are deceiving people and leading people today. Because, you see, Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that God has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. That's the way God speaks to us in these last days. It's just through Jesus Christ. God, God won't speak to men through statues or graven images, but Satan will. And we see that when we get into Revelation, right? Guardian angel lapel pins today have no power. Only the spirit of the Lord working in the life of a born again believer has power. Jesus is the word made flesh. Who came to the earth as a man, walked on the earth, went to the cross, died on the cross, was buried, rose again on the third day. Walked on the earth again, ascended into heaven, and is one day coming again. In the meantime, He has sent His Holy Spirit upon those that come to faith in Him. And that same Holy Spirit, by that same Holy Spirit, He now indwells us. He speaks to us today through His Word. And He does not want us to be followers of men, the doctrines of men, nor the signs and the wonders of men. He wants us to love Him with all of our heart and soul, like we looked at in Deuteronomy. He's testing us to say, who's number one? Who do you follow? Do you follow the people of this world, the political leaders, the celebrities, the people that do all this so-called amazing stuff? Or do you follow the Word? Of God and the Lord only. So, again, these things that we're seeing in Revelation are not all that foreign to us today. There's nothing new under the sun. And as a matter of fact, this very kind of thing, this situation here where people will be forced to bow down and worship an image, this has happened before in world history as well. I'll show you. Turn to the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. While you're turning there, this is coming onto my mind. Why do you think that God tells us all of this stuff in advance? that we know this, that we can go to his word and find out this kind of stuff. We can go to his word and find out the truth of the gospel, find out how we should be living. He tells us all of this because he wants us to serve him and him only. He wants first place in our hearts and in our minds. And we all, he also tells us this because all around us in this world, there's all kinds of deception going on all kind of things that we can fall into or get involved in if we don't know the Word of God and we don't understand our Creator's will for our lives. So again, this whole statue thing with the, and all that, it, it happened once before. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dora, in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces. To come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages... That at a time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now, just a, quote, a quick note here regarding verse 5. The King James Version correctly has one more musical instrument listed there, and that is the dulcimer. And this is an important note, uh, with something that I'm going to share with you here a little bit later, but there should be one more instrument in there correctly, and that is the dulcimer. But this kind of thing that has happened before in history, where people are forced to worship an image, and it will happen again in the future. One day during the great tribulation period to come, the whole world will be fooled and led by this false prophet. And they will be forced to bow down and to worship his image. So again, there's nothing new under the sun. What's happened will happen again. And back in Revelation chapter 13 and in verse 16, it says, He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. So what is this mark? There is much speculation about this in our day and age. Is it a computer chip of some sort implanted in a person, in their right hand and in their forehead? Is it a tattooed barcode of some sort that a person will need to get? The speculation goes on and on and on about that and I'm not much for all that speculation as the Lord spoke this revelation to the Apostle John the Lord didn't give us all of those details so I'm not going to speculate on that any further I look at verse 16 though and what I know from it is that the false prop the false prophet will cause people to get a mark I don't think that this concept should be foreign to us either because look at our own government today, right? Mandating that we have certain things, mandating that you have to have self uh, health insurance, right? And then tracking whether you have it or not and fining you through the IRS, right? So these kind of things, again, aren't foreign to us. They're just glimpses of what's gonna happen in the future. The more power that a people gives to a government, the more people become slaves to that government. So again, this whole concept of being told what you must do and what you're not going to do, it's not foreign to us. We see it creeping into our society today. So in the days of the Great Tribulation, this will just be a thing that people have to do. You'll have to get that mark. Not you, but they will have to get that mark. Because if they don't have that mark, verse 17 says, And that no one may buy or sell except one has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. So you won't be able to buy or sell. Grocery stores will only be able to sell you things if you have this mark. It appears in verse 17 that this mark could just simply be a marking of some sort on a person or it could be the name of the Antichrist or it could be a number. This is not a foreign concept to us either, right? Today, laws that are passed, notice how many laws are passed today that are named after people, right? They're named after a person. So having a name associated with being able to buy or to sell won't be that hard to understand for the people during that time, right? So again, there's much speculation as to what this mark will be, But the important thing for us to know is that we are moving closer and closer toward that time and we're seeing glimpses of it even now. So things are falling into place today that make it easy to see how all of this that we are reading here in Revelation can come to pass. You know, if you probably would have studied this book 50 years ago, some of this stuff might be a little more foreign to you than it is today. But as time progresses it's easy to see how these things are going to come to pass you know so now verse 18 is very interesting here it says here is wisdom let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man his number is 666 so don't be confused here to think that the mark that people will take is the number 666 because The number 666 has nothing to do with the mark. The number 666 is associated with the beast. And also, if you take the time to think about it as we've read it in its context, the number 666 here is not associated with the dragon himself, nor is this number 666 associated with the Antichrist. Back there in verse 11, we started reading about another beast. He is the beast that John saw rising out of the earth. He is the man, and he is, he is a man, I should say, and he is the false prophet. It is his number that calculates to 666. That's what we started reading about in verse 11. So it wasn't the dragon. It wasn't the first beast, the Antichrist. It's this beast, the false prophet. His number calculates to 666. So very simply, the beast is a man. Many men throughout history have been associated with being this beast because their name somehow added up to 666, right? Others have related this number to kingdoms and empires and such, right? And you may want to uh, hear more out of me on this, but I always take a very simplistic view of Scripture, and it says here is wisdom the number of the beast is the number of a man in other words it's not a literal lamb with two horns like we saw in verse 11 right it's not literal voice like a dragon That rises up out of the earth. This guy's not gonna come onto the earth and say, I am broken. He's not gonna talk like that. He's not gonna, you know, this is, it's not literal here, okay? Here's wisdom The number of the beast is the number of a man. In other words, it's a man, right? Okay? Just apply it simply. But most likely, as a matter of fact, I would say a high probability, this will be a political leader of some sort. And there's no harm at all in trying to spend time and study the prophetic scriptures as much as you can and and dig as deep as you can and try and find out all, all that you want, okay? But just don't overthink it. Now, why though is the number six associated with man at all? Well, you can go back in biblical history and see that Adam, the first man, was born on the sixth day right and Adam as a man fell short didn't he his wife Eve was deceived by the serpent into thinking that they could become like God but this wasn't true of course and they both disobeyed God and became sinners as a result of this disobedience man always falls short of God the number of perfection or completion if you will in the Bible is the number seven Man always falls short of God and always will. That's why we needed a perfect man like Jesus Christ to come to the world and to atone for our sins because we cannot do it on our own. So we can also look at biblical history and see a man named Goliath that, that stood against God. Goliath was six cubits tall. He had six pieces of armor and the head of his spear, we're told, weighed 600 shekels of iron, 666. Nebuchadnezzar, as we saw in Daniel chapter 5, made an image of gold 660 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, so so 666, the number of men who fall short of God, and so often wants to be God right now the reason that I brought up that dulcimer I added earlier I said take note of the fact that the dulcimer is another instrument there in 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 the King James Version because that's six instruments so he built the statue 660 cubits tall 6 cubits wide and six instruments worshiped him through that, okay? So, again, though, right, we see, as we've studied Revelation, we see Satan himself, the dragon, we see the Antichrist, the second beast, the false prophet. But the most important man that we want to focus all of our attention on today is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the Lord God. Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Don't get too captivated by Satan, by the Antichrist, by the false prophet. Again, no harm in studying it all. Study it deeper. But fix your eyes on Jesus today. Because the more you grow in the knowledge of Jesus through His Word, the more you'll know what the deception is when the deception comes along. Right? The more you'll know that. So today, people are kind of being already led astray in certain things, in certain areas, right? But when you know the Word of God, you say, hmm, I wonder what the Lord's doing. I wonder what's happening, right? So the question that I have, not just for you folks here today, but for those that listen via the internet as well, is your life right with Him today? Does your life line up with the Holy Word of God? Do you bow today in worship of Jesus Christ? Have you committed your whole heart to be a follower of His? And if by some chance you're listening today and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you have not called out on His name for salvation you have not been baptized in his name to express your faith in him to the world around you, then I encourage you to do that quickly because the days are getting shorter and we're seeing the glimpses of what is to come. And the Lord's return is close. It is at hand. Now, what could that mean? I'm not predicting a date by no stretch of the imagination. But it's closer now than it was the day he ascended into heaven. That I know for sure. And we see in his word and we see the things that are going to happen. And we can look in his word and see how he wants us to live and see the life he wants us to have. But we have to be willing to commit to that. We have to be willing to surrender to that and to give our lives to him wholly and completely. Let's pray. Father God in heaven. Again, we thank you for your holy word, God, your living, active word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, it, it cuts deep within us, Lord. It understands the thoughts and the intents of our hearts, Lord. And I pray that as your word has gone forth today and as your word continues to go forth throughout the earth, Lord, even amongst other churches, Lord, all around, Lord, I pray that your word will continue to be taught and preached, Lord, and that people will come to the place of salvation. For the day is coming, Lord, when we will no longer be on this earth, Lord. One way or another, Lord, we will be gone off this earth someday, and we will be standing in your presence. And we will be bowing the knee to you one way or the other, Lord. But will we spend eternity with you or or will we spend eternity separated from you? Lord, there is one way and one way only. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray, Lord, that all of us would take our walks with you seriously. That we would examine ourselves, Lord, as to whether we are in the faith or not. And that we would commit wholeheartedly to you this morning. We just thank you and praise you for this time in your word. We pray that as we go forth in the week to come, that you'd go before us, that you'd lead and guide us through. Cause us to grow in the knowledge of you. Cause our eyes to be open to see, Lord, what's going on around us, Lord. All the deception that has taken place. And Lord, may our eyes be open to the truth. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.